Welcome to Get Your World On, the podcast that helps you make sense of today's trends and global news in a way that is fun, understandable, and low in calories. You'll lose weight just listening. And it's promises like that which have led to Get Your World On being voted the most honest podcast for 103 years in a row. I'm your captain, Patrick, orbiting high above the Earth in my spaceship, Chocolate Love. Reporting the news to all creatures in the known universe. So grab a cup of coffee, forget the ungrateful kids, and listen to the latest transmission from the Starship. Get your world on and turn the ignorance off. I was minding my own business in 1863. I was killing lots of people when the aliens abducted me. Trapped in a spaceship and tortured every day, but I still look fly. Drinking down my tango ray. Alien fly girls were down with Pat. Alien overlords weren't down with that. They be doing the Guantanamo and Abu Ghraib, so I made a deal so I could get paid. I started a podcast to teach them stuff. News, global trends, and celebrities and fluff. They say I'll get my freedom for my weary bones as soon as you help me pay my student loans. 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 Word to your mother and your brother and your second cousin. Welcome again, Aardvarks, to episode 1002 of Get Your World On, voted the most honest podcast for 103 years in a row, broadcasting to every planet, star, and moon in the universe, and now broadcasting to planet Earth, the only place in the universe that has not been listening to this broadcast for the last 103 years, and a planet populated by people that think they were the first to invent the wheel. On today's show, the pandemic blame game. Who is to blame for the COVID-19 pandemic? Some say Dr. Fauci. Some say 5G. I thought it was Charlie Sheen or at least his bedsheets, while still other people think it comes straight off a McDonald's double cheeseburger wrapper. Today, we will be looking at one entity that is most definitely involved, China. And we're going to specifically be looking at the conspiracy theory about whether COVID-19 originated in a lab and whether it was weaponized on purpose in order for China to take over the world. Also on today's show, how Freddie Mercury, the lead singer of Queen, can cure COVID-19. Also, there will be the important story of Li Zedong. And you are going to want to stick around for that because it has huge ramifications for your life, exactly where you are at. And I will also answer questions from listeners. I'm your Captain Patrick, and I'm coming to you from the spaceship Chocolate Love, orbiting high above the Earth, reporting on all important current events in a trustworthy manner, as one does from a spaceship entirely made of chocolate. It 
It's time now for announcements, special announcements. And let's start with announcements for those of you that are listening um, in places other than planet Earth. So the rest of the galaxy and the moons and the universe. Uh, These are the announcements for today. Speaking of spaceships, are you looking for a new spaceship? Only 15 light years away, go to Manny's Trade-In at Glee's 876D. Walk away with a new, faster spaceship with no financing down. All the latest models are available. Please put on your cooling systems on approach, as it's hotter than hell there. Literally. It doesn't get much hotter than Glee's 876D, but it's a great place To trade in your spaceship, get a new used spaceship that looks just like brand new. Mention Get Your World On and get a free sun visor. Okay, and for those of you that are near the Quasar ULAS J1342 plus 0928, there will be a considerable amount of construction on the interstellar superhighway. So expect delays. And um, we've been working on that for quite a while. I don't know when they're going to get done, but just expect uh, delays to continue. Also, don't fall into the large black hole. Uh, The signage is pretty bad out there by that quasar. Now we have some questions from listeners. Okay, this is listeners from, I guess, all over the universe. All right, let's see who's up first. Polly from Hackensack, New Jersey. Oh my goodness. Polly from Hackensack, New Jersey. All right, okay. Um, he asks why the sound quality on the Earth transmission is so bad. Why the sound quality on the Earth transmission is so bad? Because it's 103 year old equipment. Duh, what a stupid question. Okay. All right. Big Zudu from Cassiopeia. I, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Zigbid Zudu from Cassiopeia asks whether human beings actually think they are smart, or do they know that they are the least advanced organisms in the universe? Uh, the answer to that, uh, Zigbizudu Brzezinski. <laughs> A little poli sci joke there for you, poli sci majors. Um, the answer to that question, Zudu, is that no, humans actually think they're super smart and that they can solve any problem. So when you hear them talking about that or acting that way, they're not being ironic. It's not tongue-in-cheek. Uh, yes, Zudu, sorry, Zudu. Um, they, they really do believe that. And yeah, that means even at NASA, they, they think a lot of that stuff's really going to work. Okay. So they're being totally sincere. Okay. Next listener. Um, let's see. It says, I listened to your podcast and it is the most idiotic, stupid, moronic, gee, redundant much, idiotic, stupid, moronic thing I've ever listened to. Your explanation of current events and your grasp on facts is horrifically poor. Your bloviating on issues that you know nothing about is both vexatious and asinine. You need to go somewhere else. You are depriving a village somewhere of an idiot. The aliens should be torturing you for how bad you are at this podcasting stuff. 
I want all the time I lost listening to your podcast back. If I could sue you, I would. You have been an incredible waste of my time. Don't forget to take your vitamins. Love, Mom. Ouch. Ouch, that hurts. Um, Okay, well, you know, I'll try to get better. It's only been 103 years, which I know sounds like a lot of time to normal humans that haven't been held hostage by aliens. So um, I will try to do better with this podcast. But gee, Mom, next time, don't hold back, okay? I mean, really, tell us what you really think. Today we begin with how one of my all-time favorite musicians is apparently able to cure COVID-19. I'm sure that all of you know Freddie Mercury, the deceased lead singer of the band Queen, who had one of the greatest voices in the history of rock and roll. He died in 1991. It was very tragic, and we all miss him greatly. But I read this story very recently in the New York Times, and it was written by journalist Sam Kessenbaum. And the story really caught my eye, and it was so good I had to share it with all of you on planet Earth who know and love Freddie Mercury, the former lead singer of Queen. Well, apparently, the spirit of Freddie is still alive and accessible to a particular Japanese cult. This cult is known as Happy Science, and they are offering spiritual vaccines to cure people of COVID-19. Their leader is this former Wall Street trader named Ryuho Okawa, and uh, he's from Japan, and his followers regard him as the incarnation of a supreme being from Venus. Okay, as someone who spends a lot of time in a spaceship and has been to Venus many times, I can tell you this is not true. Anyway, what's more, uh, Ryuho Akawa, he claims to channel the spirits of hundreds of characters, people dead and alive, dead or alive, I should say, people like Barack Obama, Steve Jobs, and even Donald Trump. Now, he's originally from Shikoku Island in Japan. And he attended Tokyo University, which is a very, it's the most prestigious university in, uh, in, in, in Japan. He claims that he hung out with Jesus and that he came here to planet Earth to teach and was engineered millions of years ago by a creator god from Venus named El Cantare, which is a very Spanish-sounding name for a, a god from Venus. But anyway, he claims to have been reincarnated over and over as enlightened masters like Hermes, the Greek deity, not the handbag, Thoth from Atlantis, Odin, Buddha, and even an ancient Incan king. Now, this Mr. Okawa has a pretty decent following, and he's actually written more than 2,000 books. Well, okay, most of these books are actually transcripts of his lectures, but they're out there, they're available on the internet, they must be pretty interesting. 
Uh, not only does he have these books, but he also has his own film division, which puts out feature-length anime. Now, the titles are things like Alien Invasion, Seven Future Predictions, and, I kid you not, Spiritual Message from the Guardian Spirit of Donald Trump. And there's many more where those came from. Well, beginning in January, Mr. Okawa claimed to receive messages from a trio of extraterrestrials going by the unfamiliar names of R.A. Goal, Metatron, and Yidron. And that's not to be confused with Yoda or his cousin Yaddle. And he also apparently can tap into the spirit of Chinese leader Xi Jinping. Also, he can tap in to the spirit of Boris Johnson, John Lennon, and Angela Merkel, and receive transmissions. According to Happy Science, the virus was created as a bioweapon by the Chinese government in Wuhan, and then it was unleashed by a UFO to punish the communists for their godless ways. And the reason that it is spread all over the earth is because all of us lack too much faith, too. Well, if you are someone listening in the tri-state area or in the five boroughs of New York, as you try and fight COVID-19, Mr. Okawa claims that for $100 to $400, they can give you a coronavirus blessing that will keep you self-healthy. Very interesting story. I'm glad to see that Freddie is back, but I'm not sure I wanted to exactly see him in that way. The Pandemic Blame Game. On last week's show, How to Survive Bat AIDS, I cautioned everyone about how pandemics always bring about a large increase in conspiracy theories. And what we're facing right now is a perfect storm of disinformation. That's what I called it. We have a life and death situation, existential crisis, I said, plus a need to cast blame, plus distrust in institutions, plus financial difficulty, plus we live in the internet age. You put it all together and we have a perfect storm of disinformation. And I mentioned three gray swans last week. These are not black swans that nobody could predict. These were gray swans, which we knew were coming. We just decided to not care and be prepared. The first was the virus itself, a global pandemic. The second is a global debt bubble that is going to cause enormous problems to us as we try to recover from the pandemic. And the third thing is a crisis of institutional legitimacy, which is affecting governments, media, world organizations, religions, uh, alliances, central banks, and many other things. So now we are living in an age of extreme conspiracy theories, and good solid information is going to be hard to come by. And that's why Get Your World On is here to be your 
trusted news source with 103 years of podcasting experience telling you nothing but the truth. Now, there are a number of different entities that are being blamed for this pandemic, but none stands out as much as China, where the virus originated. And today, I want to specifically look at what we are to make of two conspiracies about the China situation. The first is the the conspiracy that COVID-19 originated in a laboratory. Is that possible? The second is the idea that it was intentionally released to wreak havoc on the world because China wants to take over the world. Let's look at the first part. Did COVID-19 come from a laboratory in Wuhan? Well, so far it looks like it came from a bat and from a wet market in Wuhan. Now, if that were the case, that would not be so unusual. That is something that could happen on any given day in a number of countries around the world. In fact, viruses are all around us all the time, and at any given moment, a virus could jump from an animal to a human. In fact, there is actually a virus in caribou in Canada that if it ever jumped to human beings would probably create a pandemic far worse than the one we are facing now. So these things are out there. However, the vast majority of scientists say that it did not, I repeat, did not come from a lab in Wuhan. U.S. intelligence services are saying that it did not come from a lab in Wuhan. So why are people saying that it did come from a weapons lab? Why is there this conspiracy growing? Well, there are some interesting unanswered questions. First of all, there is suspicion about why this virus acts so unusual. It has attacked many different organs in many different ways. It has a unique way of targeting the old. Sometimes it targets the young, as we're seeing with the uh, symptoms of Kawasaki syndrome. Sometimes it acts like SARS, but at other times it acts more like HIV AIDS and how it tries to destroy the immune system. And some aspects of it look a little bit like smallpox or malaria. In other words, the virus is behaving very strangely, and and that raises suspicions. Why does it not really fit in with the way most coronaviruses function? Now, as everyone knows, there was a lab in Wuhan, not far from the wet market, named the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And there's some ideas or thoughts that some person walked out of that after having experimented with creating a new kind of virus, which they do do at times, and accidentally took it out and thus infected Wuhan and the rest of the world. But without access to the logbooks and the video footage, it's going to be really hard to find out if there was a patient X. And the burden of proof is very high. Now, maybe one day a Chinese whistleblower will come out, or there'll be intelligence showing that the lab had secretly experimented with the direct ancestor virus to SARS-CoV-2. But at this point, there's no direct ancestor virus that has been identified either inside or outside of a lab. So microbiologists are going on record saying that it did not come from a lab. So why would they lie about that? Or why would people lie about that? Well, the skeptics would say that 
if the microbiologists were honest about the kind of experimentation going on, they would worry about their funding or people not wanting to support labs that are in their community, or perhaps they would be just a big anti-science movement. So that's the idea behind the cover-up. But in many of these laboratories, there are Americans and people from all over the world that work in them. So trying to cover up an accidental outbreak would not be very easy. It's not just a Chinese laboratory. It has scientists from all over the world and monitors. And it would not be super easy for some female Chinese scientist to walk out with a killer virus on her Hello Kitty backpack. So that is the situation. It's not easy. But there are some things about this virus Specifically, if you look at something called the furin-specific cleavage sites, there are sections of this virus, a PRRA sequence, that does not look like any other coronavirus. And it doesn't seem to be a mutation. So there's a question, was this an inserted sequence? Well, we don't have any way of knowing, and I don't have enough science background or probably do you, to be able to figure that out. So we probably should just put this little conspiracy to the side. But now let's move to the second part. Is it possible that China released this virus on purpose to destroy the world or weaken the world? Well, that is a very, very dangerous idea, in my opinion, because that's something that could get really out of hand. Now, yes, China has lied about the statistics a lot. And yes, China hid the truth from the world for quite a long time about this pandemic, this outbreak. But no, China did not want this to happen. Why do I say that China did not want this to happen? Well, let me give you 10 very brief reasons why China would never want something like this to go global. The first is that the government is very paranoid of instability. That is the big fear of the Chinese government. There's no way they would want for a a virus to create a bunch of havoc that would then lead to questioning the government and possibly lead to to, uh, an overthrow of the government. What they have always been paranoid the most of, leaders of China over the last thousands of years, something they call the mandate of heaven, is a fear of, of, of big things like earthquakes or something like this coming along and totally destabilizing the government. It's their big phobia. The second thing is Xi Jinping, the leader of China, was in the process of turning himself into kind of a cult leader. So the way he has handled this and the fact that a global pandemic has come out of China on his watch is very, very bad for his image, which he was in the process of trying to build up. The third thing is China believes that they need to have economic growth between 5 and 7% in order to keep the country stable and the middle class from getting upset and rioting. Well, that's not going to happen now, thanks to the pandemic. And they're in for their lowest economic growth year since 1976. So this is a severe problem. The fourth thing is that in general, China fears rebellions and riots, and there are many riots each year in China that we never hear about. In fact, there have already been riots uh, between uh, people in neighboring provinces 
who are fighting in about the government response, but not only that, about the response of different provinces and how they've handled it. So a fear of riots and rebellions is deeply ingrained into the Chinese leadership. The fifth thing is that the Chinese stock market was doing really great. It had its best uh, opening in the last few years. It was doing really good as a hot stock market, even after the global financial meltdown of 2008. And now China has suffered its worst opening in 19 years. The sixth thing is that China is very dependent on being a part of the global supply chain. And that means American factories or German factories that uh, outsource things to China and produce parts of their products there. All of that now is in jeopardy. All of that is going to probably start to leave China and come back to those countries or go to other countries. But this is going to do severe damage to companies' trust in putting things in China. And that has been their business model for a long time. Now they are in a lot of trouble. A seventh thing is that China, like so many other countries, has a ton of debt. They blew through a bunch of money trying to stay afloat after the 2008 financial crisis. And now they have to deal with this and add on even more debt. The eighth thing is China's Belt and Road Initiative, which is a big, massive project that they were doing with multiple countries to try and build infrastructure that would stretch from China all the way to Europe, building bridges and trains and all sorts of things that would, highways that would make the trade with China grow and give them control of that Eurasian trading area, that is now going to be under severe threat because China has brought disease to these places. The ninth thing is that China has been in a very big property bubble. That property bubble is now probably going to pop and create a ton of problems. And finally, this messes up China's charm offensive. They were traveling around the world trying to be the new alternative to the United States, getting countries to trust them and take loans with them, that is probably not going to go as well anymore now that they're exporting a virus. Now, we need to keep something in mind, and this is the reason I wanted to talk about this today, is I'm very concerned about this conspiracy theory because people are targeting Asian-looking people around the world as if they are from mainland China and carrying a virus. That's very, very disturbing. To begin with, most people in China don't have the virus. But even if they did, there are hundreds of millions of Chinese people who uh, live in places like Malaysia, Indonesia, Taiwan, Hong Kong, throughout Latin America, throughout Europe, in the United States, that are ethnically Chinese, but are not from mainland China. In fact, they may not speak Chinese. They may have lived in those countries for three, four, five, six generations. Just because someone has a Chinese look about them does not mean they have anything to do with mainland China. And we've seen tourists attack in Kenya and kids bullied in Texas and stories coming in from all around the world of people that are Asian looking getting harassed because people want to assume that or blame them for this virus that originated in mainland China. So that is very, very dangerous. 
and very unfair. But also, we need the Chinese scientists to be a part of this 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 effort to save everything and to come up with a vaccine because the Chinese doctors are very good and they are very integrated into laboratories all around the world. We have top scientists that are working in Boston or Switzerland uh, and we have a lot of our best scientists working in China. And so we need there to be unity in the medical communities so that we come up with a solution. And of course, China makes a lot of masks and makes a lot of tests and equipment that we need in order to go forward and be able to contain this virus. So think about these conspiracy theories and don't pass them on quickly on Facebook because they can have very negative repercussions very quickly. And now it's time for a word from our sponsor. Are you looking for food delivery? Are you craving pizza? Why not try Roadkill Pizza? Roadkill Pizza brings you only the freshest ingredients from the highways of Louisiana, Alabama, Mississippi, and the Florida Panhandle. Try our new Supreme with squirrel meat and pepperoni. Or get two medium pan possum special also available in Cajun style. Why risk going out to the road yourself? Have Roadkill's road specialists and pizza makers do the hard work for you. They use only the freshest ingredients off of the highways, bake it immediately, and drive it on that same highway to your home. Think organic. Think Roadkill Pizza. Call now and get a 10% discount on any large Roadkill Pizza if you mention Get your world on. And now it's time to zippy the lippy, little aardvarks, as I tell you the very important story of Lee Zedo. Have you ever heard of Lee Zedo? You haven't? Well, he's one of the greatest champions in the world. Is he a hockey star? Is he a football star? Is he the world's greatest curler? No. He's an 18-time world champion of the game of Go. Go, have you heard of Go? It's a Chinese game that is a board game that is absolutely huge in South Korea, Japan, and China. And Go is a game that makes chess look like shoots and ladders. It has an incredible amount of different positions that you can take as a player. In fact, the number of positions is two times 10 to the 170th power. That is how many different options you have as a player when you're playing. It's the Kama Sutra of board games. More positions than you can possibly imagine. Now, if you are good at Go, you are a rock star in China, South Korea, and Japan. But if you are an 18-time champion, you are superhuman. You're the Michael Jordan of intellectual board games. Imagine winning winning anything 18 times. Imagine winning Wimbledon 18 times in a row, the World Series 18 times in a row, Miss America contest 18 times in a row, Starbucks Employee of the Month 18 times in a row. To win anything 18 times in a row 
is incredible. But Lee Zedong, he was able to win the GO Championship 18 times in a row. It's a bigger deal than Gary Kasparov's run as a chess champion. The game of Go is played on a 19 by 19 grid, and the goal is to surround as many of your squares with your stones, black or white, and take over territory from your enemy. And even though it's easy and is played for thousands of years, it's the most complicated game in the world. The board looks a little bit like Othello. Now, there was an incredibly smart guy named Gary Kasparov, and he still is very smart, who was the world chess champion and considered the greatest chess player ever. And he was challenged by a computer named Deep Blue back in 1996 and 1997. The people at IBM wanted to see if they could build a machine that could defeat the chess champion. In the 1996 tournament, Gary Kasparov beat the machine. But by 1997, IBM's Deep Blue won. Now that's pretty impressive, but chess is really quite simple compared to Go, which requires a lot of intuitive thinking and almost reading your the person that is sitting across from you. And computer specialists did not think it was possible to make computers that sophisticated. It's less math and more qualitative and full of judgment calls. Well, in 2016, the Go rock star, Lise Do, accepted the challenge to take on a computer created by a London-based group named DeepMind. And they had something called the AlphaGo program that challenged Lise Do to see who was smarter, the machine or man. Now, Lee is a really nice-looking young man, um, unfortunately, he has a voice that kind of sounds like Tiny Tim. If you don't know who Tiny Tim is, you can go on YouTube and put in Tiptoe Through the Tulips, and you'll be able to hear what Lee Sedo kind of sounds like when he talks. But the guy is brilliant, and he was extremely confident he would win. After all, he was the 18-time champion. Well, perhaps like Deep Blue, Alpha Go could only be as good as the programs that were put into it by the programmers. In other words, maybe it was limited to the data that was put in that it was going to regurgitate. That would probably not be good enough. But the London-based team from DeepMind felt that they had solved this problem, and it's a problem known as the knowledge acquisition bottleneck, and it's something very important for breakthroughs in artificial intelligence. Knowledge acquisition bottleneck is when a computer was limited to the data that had been given to it by the programmers and, and limited by what they can envision. What they needed was a machine that could surpass that to develop a computer that could use billions of pieces of information, play itself and learn on its own and come up with totally new and unique innovative moves that the programmers had never thought of. That is what they thought they had with this program. So the programmers from London went off to Seoul, South Korea in March of 2016 for the big tournament and it was like the World Cup.
People gathered around the TV in their homes to watch. The bars switched on their TVs to watch the Go match. The giant jumbotron screens throughout Seoul had the match going above the busy main streets. Commentators from various countries flew in to cover this event. The big question was, could a computer defeat a human in the most complicated game ever devised in human history? Despite his confidence prior, Lee Zedo looked pretty nervous when he entered the room for his first match against the computer. It would be embarrassing to lose to a computer, and he would feel like he let the world down. Plus, he had a reputation to uphold. You don't become the 18-time champion by serving tea and eating crumpets. Lee Zedo was the man. And in this case, literally, he was the man up against the machine. When the match opened, Lee made his opening move. And then AlphaGo, the computer, went silent. Did it choke? For a couple of minutes, it looked like it was going to be a humiliating malfunction by the stupid computer. Man was going to be proven to be smarter after all. The London team was really sweating it. But then AlphaGo started playing Go, and it produced some stunning moves that left Lee Zedol and the people watching in South Korea and Japan and China absolutely amazed. 80 million of them were speechless as they saw the beauty, the creativity, and the innovation of this AlphaGo computer program. Afterwards, there was a press conference, just like there is with NBA players after a game. Lee came out, and he was pretty shaken. He politely answered questions, but you could tell this was his nightmare come to pass. Lee had never lost. And this was the biggest match of his life. This was like Ali Frazier for nerds. This was like Bobby Fischer's chess match against Boris Spassky. This was like that famous match between Bill Gates and Steve Jobs on a Commodore 64 in 1983. Or like that knockout, dragdown, intellectual brawl between George W. Bush and Donald Trump when they played Hungry Hungry Hippos in 2015. The second game came around on another day. Surely it was a fluke. Surely Lizardo would regain control for all of mankind. Nope. Once again, the computer, which had taught itself to play, was beating Lizedo. Then came the third match, and Lizedo was a wreck. He was all nerves. He was on the brink of anxiety attacks. He was smoking like a chimney. That glorified Atari had, had beat him in two games. And now he was in the Pong game from hell. And sure enough, he lost the third match. But it was in match four that Lee Zedo had this humanless Activision cartridge on the run. The crowd went crazy. Nerds around the world were on their feet. Lee pressed against AlphaGo and won the match. The crowd went wild. The press went wild. People were crying. Even the London-based team that created AlphaGo were getting teary. Why? Because it was painful to see a machine, as cold as it is, destroy a flesh and blood human being intellectually and emotionally. Everyone was happy for Lee Zedo. 
even the guys from London. Then came the fifth game. Maybe Lizedo could make a comeback. It would be at least a 3-2 match total, which would mean that the machine won, but just kind of barely. That's respectable. That's more ambiguous. Everyone wanted to see the son of Siri get its computerized butt kicked. But it was not to be Lizedo, the 18-time champion of the most complicated game ever created by man, lost four to one. Lee took it like a man, as if he had a choice, because of course he was a man. AlphaGo took it like a machine, because after all, it was a machine. The London team was happy that their knowledge acquisition bottleneck problem had been busted through. This machine was able to teach itself things without using human brains. Well, Lee Zedol played a little bit more, but went on to retire permanently from the game of Go. And Alpha Go went on to play more professionals. And it won 60 of 60 matches. Now, little aardvarks, why am I telling you this story? I am telling you this story because COVID-19 is coinciding with an inevitable economic downturn. And when downturns occur, we see the automation of jobs rise. That's always the pattern. Why rely on humans who have to sleep, who get viruses, who demand holidays, who have high salaries, who need health care, when a machine can do it much cheaper? What better way to not have to worry about lawsuits or employees getting sick than to replace them with something like AlphaGo? Now, this wave of automation was already starting in 2020. A lot of things were on the drawing board or being rolled out, but they were being rolled out slowly. Now, because of COVID-19, these technologies are going to be rolled out very fast, right as we go into an economic downturn. Automating things that might have taken five to 10 years to come out and be normalized are going to be normalized in the next 12 to 24 months. And it's going to revolutionize the world and make a lot of us feel like Lee Zedo. What kind of things am I talking about? I'm talking about the rise of e-commerce, the rise of contactless payments, of drone delivery, of teleconferencing, of autonomous vehicles, of wearable health monitoring equipment, of voice mobile applications, 3D printing, online learning, and smart robotics. All of these things were already out there, but now they're going to be elevated and put into positions rapidly that are currently filled by human beings. And it's going to happen before new jobs can be created for those replaced human beings. Now, many have always argued when technology comes up that this happens throughout history. Technology always replaces people and the new jobs are created. Don't worry about it. After all, we still have bankers, even though ATMs came along in the 1980s. Yes, to some extent, this kind of replacement is always happening. But times like these accelerate the technology all at once, especially when companies realize how much money they can save. 
And the other thing is that in the previous eras of history, we did not see the knowledge acquisition bottleneck broken through. That has happened now. And it's not just machinery jobs or vending machines that can be replaced by robots and and other blue collar, low paying jobs, but it's gonna be more sophisticated jobs that are white collar. Another way to put it is this. When cars first came along, a lot of horses lost their jobs. Well, guess what? This time, we are the horses. So how do we prevent becoming the next Lizedo? How do we go forward in this new world of artificial intelligence and robotics? That is one of the many subjects that we will be covering on the Get Your World On podcast in the coming weeks with the intention of helping all of you aardvarks survive these challenging times. So if you want to stay informed, get good sources of information, and survive and thrive in this new world of Corona-palooza, you need to not just get your world on and turn the ignorance off. You need to get it out. Get it out completely. Peace, aardvarks. Well, that's it for today's show. Join us next time for more in-depth news analysis from the Starship Chocolate Love. If you like the show, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Get Your World On. If you want to send in a comment, tell me how awesome I am, share your darkest secrets so I can make it public, or you just want to join the conversation, go to getyourworldon.com. You can also subscribe there for easy access to the next episodes. Last, don't forget to make a little donation so my days of indentured servitude can finally end. See you next time. In the meantime, get your world on and get the ignorance out. Peace, love, and chocolate.